0: I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Parenting Aces. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, coming at you from Atlanta, Georgia. Now that the college tennis season has concluded, I thought it would be great to find out what our kids need to be doing this summer to prepare themselves for tennis in the fall, whether they are going to be a freshman on a college team or whether they've already completed a year or two or three of college tennis. And so this week's guest, Dave Mullins, is going to chat with us a little bit about some specific things that the kids can be doing to keep themselves in ideal tennis shape as they get ready for the fall And just to give you a little bit of background on Dave, he is originally from Ireland and was the Irish national junior champion uh, in his junior years and competed at Junior Wimbledon, competed at the Junior French Open, and eventually made his way to the States to play his college tennis at Fresno State University out in California. He was a very influential player on his team. He helped his team get into the top 25, and he himself was ranked in the top 50 in singles and actually the top five in doubles while he was at Fresno State. He did finish with All American Honors and decided to give the ATP Tour a try for a brief stint. He had a little bit of success, but was uh, faced with some injuries and made the decision to leave the tennis tour and to enter the realm of coaching and He has actually coached at all levels of the game from beginner beginners to senior seniors and everything in between but eventually Found himself back in the world of college tennis as a coach and he started out on the men's side but migrated over to the women's side finishing his coaching career as the head coach at the University of Oklahoma on the women's side. And he recently retired and moved with his wife and kids back to Dublin, where he is now working at the club that he grew up playing in. But Dave is also very interested in helping families navigate through the whole tennis process, um, much like what we're doing at Parenting Aces. And so recently he's been writing a series of articles for tennisrecruiting.net, which some of you may have seen either on TRN's website or I uh, share a lot of those articles on the Parenting Aces Facebook page as well. And Dave recently reached out to me about doing this podcast, and I thought, gosh, you know, what a treat to get to pick his brain a little bit Since this is the end of the school year, we figured talking about how to spend your summer seemed like a great topic, so that's what we're going to be discussing this week. I hope you will stay tuned, and when we come back from this short commercial, you will be hearing from Dave Mullins. Don't miss a thing on Parenting Aces. Be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter so you're among the first to know when a new article is posted. Simply go to ParentingAces.com and enter your email address, then click subscribe in the subscribe for updates box on the left side of the page. I'm thrilled to have Dave Mullins on this week's podcast, and Dave comes to us with such an extensive background in tennis, and I'm going to let him give us a little rundown of how he got to where he is today in terms of his tennis experience, and Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show. We had a few technical glitches early on, but I'm so happy we figured out how to connect and get you with us all the way from Ireland.
1: Yeah, thank you, Lisa. It's great to be on your show. I appreciate it.
0: Well, so I would love for you to just give us a quick synopsis of your life in tennis, how you got started playing, and uh, the various arenas that you played in in terms of, you know, the levels of tennis, and what you're up to right now.
1: Sure. Uh, well, like you said, I'm, I'm in Ireland right now. This is where I grew up and um, started, played all my junior tennis in Ireland until the age of 18 um, really probably by the age of 14 15 I knew that I wanted to go to the States on a tennis scholarship and um, uh, There's not much opportunity in Ireland in terms of playing at a higher level uh, once you're done with your high school or, or junior tennis so most top Irish players head over to the States and, and tr- Continue to try and pursue their tennis there. So that was a big goal of mine from from a pretty early age. So um I yeah, I played, you know, all around Europe. I uh, played uh I was fortunate to play in, in a lot of ITF tournaments and played in junior French Open and junior Wimbledon and um got a scholarship to Fresno State University in uh California and I spent four years there. Um my senior year as a an all American and, and um kind of top fifty singles player, top ten doubles player in college. Uh, by my senior year and then i had a, a brief stint on the on the pro tour um ran out of money pretty quickly and and uh got a little banged up and uh kind of let that dream fizzle out but uh i enjoyed my time I, I learned a lot i i played davis cup for ireland during that period as well which was an amazing experience um so i i got to play at at, at quite a high level and uh you know, was around a lot of really good players as well and kind of was able to see what, what they were doing and, and I wasn't doing or wasn't willing to do. Um, but pretty soon after I finished up playing, I uh, got into coaching and uh, really have have been lucky to coach at a number of different places and, and coach at a lot of different levels. I think a lot of... Um, college coaches they jump straight into college coaching and uh, I think they miss a little bit in their coaching development by not uh, spreading you know their skills around to a a lot of different levels so I I was able to coach you know three-year-olds all the way up to 83 year olds and everything in between and um, I think it, it helped develop me as a coach I was able to be around a lot of other coaches um, before I jumped into the college game, but my first opportunity in, as a college coach was at the Paul University with the men's team, and then I moved over to be the assistant women's coach at uh, Northwestern University. And uh, my last year there, we finished. Um, we were the number one seed heading into the NCAA tournament, so we had a great year, and that kind of propelled me on to become the head coach at the University of Oklahoma, where I spent uh, eight years and i retired from college coaching uh, last summer to uh, move back to ireland and be with my family here and, and uh pursue some other opportunities so right now i'm the director of sports at a at a club in uh, dublin ireland um i'm not really coaching so much i'm i'm trying to help uh, players for, from a different angle uh kind of off the court and um you know sharing my experiences but my my time on court now is kind of uh, for myself and I'm, I'm being selfish with my tennis again but uh, happy to help people as much as possible
0: and my readers might recognize your name from the many many articles you've written for tennis recruiting net um, you sit on all the panels <laughs> that I sit on at tennisrecruiting.net as well. So, um, so to my listeners, if if the name David Mullins sounds familiar, maybe that's where you heard it. If you're not from one of the areas where Dave was coaching the college team,
1: yeah, definitely. I was, I was lucky. I just kind of uh, fell into the writing aspect of it as well, and just uh, I found that. I enjoyed writing. I don't think I'm a particularly strong writer, but um, I, I just, you know, I, I'd write a lot in terms of my own thoughts and, and opinions, and uh, kind of have a lot of notebooks during my time for coaching, whether that's drills or ideas or uh, team building exercises or, or, you know, quotes from books that I'd read and things like that. So. Um, I just kind of started putting some things down on paper in tennis recruiting um, Dallas there and, and Julie liked my uh, writing style I guess and uh, it's kind of worked out where I have a, a monthly article or blog on the website there so I really in- enjoy that process and um, you know give pretty honest opinions I, I don't hold back I've, I've, I've seen a lot of experience a lot of the player as a coach and as a parent and, and I'm trying to uh, um, put some order to all those thoughts and, and definitely help players with the college process as well. I know it's very confusing, but I think for players and parents to hear honest uh, opinions about the college process and, and kind of from the coach's side as well and give them some insights that maybe they haven't heard before, I think can be helpful.
0: Absolutely, and just so my listeners know, Dave does have a website that includes a blog with a lot of great articles, and that's DaveMullinsTennis.com, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes, so be sure and check that out. So, Dave, I would love to jump into the meat of this week's podcast, which is how players should be spending their summers, and specifically that summer after their last year of high school, before they start their college tennis career, and then the summers while they're in college, um, you know, how they should be spending their time in terms of tennis and non-tennis activities. So maybe we can first start out with talking about that summer after high school graduation, before the first year of college. From the coach's perspective, when you were coaching, what expectations did you have of your incoming freshmen?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, it's quite individual. Um, you know, everybody's coming in with, uh, you know, different circumstances and, and, and different amounts of, of competition under their belt, um, different parts of the world as well. But really, I think the biggest shock for most Uh, Freshman starting off is just the physical nature of the training, especially the first probably four to six weeks Um, There you know because of the the way the NCA hours are broken down Basically, you can only do two hours of tennis per week and uh, then you have six hours of off-court strength and conditioning so the bulk of that time, obviously, is spent uh, off the court, and, and you're not hitting a whole lot of balls with with your coach or getting a lot of on-court feedback. So most of the feedback and interactions you're going to have with the coaches in the first few weeks are, are maybe going to be on the track or the field or in the gym or, or on the tennis court, but without you know the racket in your hand, or maybe the racket is in your hand, but you're not hitting balls. And most freshmen really struggle with kind of um, the expectations and work ethic um, that is required to make the jump at that level. And um, they're not really prepared to do um, a lot of tough physical work in those first few weeks for, you know, kind of back-to-back days. And, and look, some of that, that work isn't particularly productive. I think sometimes the coaches are trying to get a sense of, of where their players are at mentally as well. And it, it's not just about physical. They're looking to see what uh, maybe they can endure and what's breaking them down and, you know, what complaints they're having or, or are they giving up uh, a little earlier than than the coach would hope. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. It's 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 hopefully not mindless feedback and workouts that the coach are making the players do. But my advice for, for most freshmen coming in is, to spend the summer before they get there really getting in great shape I mean they should be in the gym um, they should be you know spending uh, hopefully time with with a personal trainer if they can afford it and it's it's part of their program getting on a good weight training schedule before they get there and um, injury proofing their body uh, would be ideal so um, you know As tennis players, it's tough, though, because, you know, we're kind of playing 12 months of the year, 11 months of the year. And uh, when you're trying to balance a tournament schedule and and get in the weight room and and do the off-court stuff as well, it is a a tough balance. So if if that's not possible, then the players need to be playing a lot of matches and they need to be, you know, um, match fit, on-court fit, even though they're not going to play matches those first several weeks of college. Um, the the physical demands they are going to be asked to do uh, the more prepared they are for that obviously the better they'll be and they'll they won't spend too much time you know in the training room or or, you know uh, getting injured or or, you know being miserable really because when you're sore and you're tired and you know it's uh, that can drag on and and be frustrating and and that uh, welcome to college may not be as as uh, great as you thought it would might be so it's, it's really important to be in the best physical shape you can be. And obviously, you know, players are still young. They're 18 years old. They're, they're going to get stronger and fitter, and that's, that's one of the benefits of going to college is that you're going to become uh, mentally and physically tougher. Um, but getting your body in, in peak optimal shape, um, whatever that looks like for that individual, uh, would be a great place to be by the time they're stepping foot on campus in August or September.
0: Can you talk about specifically what this off-court training looks like once they get to college? And I know you can only speak from, you know, the programs that you coached in, but I think if people hear <laughs> what's involved, I, I I mean, I agree with you. I The kids get to school, and they're just in total shock over – not just what's involved with their tennis in, in terms of the on-court and the off-court, but, I mean, they're also trying to balance that with being away from home, with, you know, taking this course load and trying to meet new people. I mean, it's, it's a lot going on. And I think if if we can have a better understanding of the specifics of what that training schedule really looks like, then maybe the kids will understand. Hey, this is no joke. Like, I really need to commit some time this summer to getting myself ready to handle this.
1: Mm. Yeah. No. Like I said, it's it. It looks different um, everywhere they go, and and you know that those eight week, um, you know off season periods. Like I said, it could be anywhere. From maybe two weeks to eight weeks based on whether you're on on the quarter system or semester system Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it and it's up to coach as well how they want to break down those weeks so they may uh, um, start off with with less of those weeks and and kind of stockpile them in November and December Uh, it just depends but you know a typical week when you get there it doesn't matter really where you go in the states in in, uh, August or September it's generally pretty warm and um so you know hopefully you're you're used to that you're acclimatized from from the summer wherever you are in the world uh but you are acclimatized to to start playing and, and working out in the heat if you've Um, you know spent the summer kind of avoiding, uh, the sun and and maybe playing indoors because it was too hot or training indoors because, um, you know, you don't, you don't like playing or training in the sun. Well, the coach is going to have you out there in the sun because that's where you are going to be playing matches, um, you know, at least the start of the fall and and the end of the spring, you're probably going to be playing in pretty hot conditions. And, you know, most of the time it's going to improve your uh, conditioning if you're, you're stressing your body in hotter conditions, but you know it, it, you can probably bank on spending at least 3 hours in the gym per week so it's probably monday, wednesday, and friday there's going to be um a strength training session hopefully early on in the first week or two there's different fitness um testing going on that the, either the tennis coach or the strength air conditioning coach is putting their players through to see where they're at and and uh you know, they, they have to meet them where they're at. There's no point absolutely, you know, putting them on the the program that some seniors been on for several years and and their bodies adapted to. So they have to meet the freshmen where they're at, but still it's, it's, it's going to be hours in the weight room and it's, it's going to be, um, you know, building up to to lifting some pretty heavy weights and and stressing the body. And, um, there is going to be a lot of muscle soreness and, uh, that's you know no matter how well prepared you are you're still going to go through that but then you're going to have to back that up um you know on on, you know maybe tuesday and thursday where there might be a 6 a.m track workout and and maybe you're running you know um you know anywhere from four to to eight 400 meter sprints as, as fast as you can with a minute and a half in between maybe you're you're doing the stadium runs and depending on the side of the of the football stadium, that, that uh, can look very different. Maybe you're doing one lap, maybe you're doing three laps. Um, you know, usually the coach is probably going to see aerobically where they're at. So there might be some, um, you know, maybe three to six mile runs. They, they they usually won't go on much longer than that, but the coach is trying to get a sense of, of where the aerobic sy- uh, systems are at and then move into more anaerobic training. Um, but as the weeks go by yeah you're probably moving onto to the court a little bit more doing more agility on court uh, type of sprints but the coach is going to push them you know even if it's, it's an easy you know what's deemed as an easy maybe cone agility exercise uh, the coach is going to be pushing them to do it as hard as they can. And, uh, maybe the, the reps and sets are going to be higher and, and the, the breaks are going to be, uh, shorter than they would be in season when, you know, the coaches are trying to rest their players for the weekend. So, you know, you're looking at five days a week and that, that's without the tennis portion of it. There will be an expectation from the coach that, uh, the players are still practicing with one Mm -hmm. another and, and, uh, Um, The coach, like I said, can do two hours. The coach might break that up to 30 minutes, um, you know, a day uh, over four of the five days. Um, So there's a lot of different ways that it can look. But at least Monday through Friday, the players can expect to do, you know, one hour conditioning, um, 30 minutes to an hour of tennis. And then the expectation would be that they're playing more tennis above that. But then they're also probably going to the training room and they're, you know, I seen and they're dealing with any niggly injuries that maybe they have and like you said they're getting used to a new course load They're probably got different orientations that they're going to um, They're trying to make new friends whether that's in the dorms or on the team or with with different athletes um, So those first few weeks are, are very busy and again if if you go in and think those first few weeks are, are, are going to be a breeze because there are only eight hours uh, per week. It, it's really a lot more than than those eight hours. And uh, if you're not ready to uh, to go from those very first few weeks, it, it's you're going to start feeling that stress and it's going to compound and uh, it's going to make your first semester a, a lot tougher than maybe it needs to be.
0: Is it common practice among the coaches to send incoming freshmen some sort of training regimen or list of expectations for how they should spend their summer?
1: Yeah, it is. It's it's definitely something I used to do. Um, But it is difficult. Uh, You know, I think we're hesitant to give workouts to players, especially gym workouts, where um, they may not have the familiarity with some of the exercises and they may be (laughs) bypassing, uh, you know, the basic fundamentals and techniques that they should be using on some of the exercises. So that's why I think it's really important to have a professional to work with so that the professional can kind of look over the program that the the coach or the strength and conditioning coach from the university um, is sending them so they can kind of uh, get them, if if they're ready for that, great, but maybe they need uh, a few weeks to build up to what those expectations will be and um you know help them with those fundamentals so um i think i thought it was always great when i had players that came in and understood you know basic uh lifting patterns whether that's squat form or, or deadlifting form um just those kind of compound lifts if they had a good sense of of what that technique looked like then uh, again they can they can make those strides um a lot faster if they're if they're really uncoordinated in those moves and, and um just unfamiliar with the with the weight room then uh then again yeah that, that path is gonna be a little longer. But no you know, I think most coaches are, are sending out what those expectations are. If if a if a player that's listening to this um you know is getting ready to go to college in, in August or September and hasn't been sent those expectations, I'd definitely follow up with the coach and and uh, ask you know what what the workouts were that you know what were the team doing um august of the previous year and, and what were they doing in the spring and, and just getting a sense of of what that looks like and and also talking to the coach about yeah what what are those first few weeks going to look like uh for them and uh what should they be prepared for hopefully the coach is doing that but a lot of the times, the coaches are, are so busy recruiting and, and looking at the next class or the class after that that um, you know they they can lose track of the of the players that they have coming in and and just uh, assume that they'll be ready. And, and uh, I don't think any assumptions should be made on on either side.
0: For sure. And what about tournament play that last summer in the juniors? I, For most of the kids as incoming freshmen, they they are still, you know, able to play junior events. How important is it that they continue to play those events, or are there other tournaments or other types of match play that they should be seeking out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the ITA summer circuit that was introduced um, maybe a decade or so ago now um, and, and they continue to grow. I think they started off with maybe um, two to four tournaments in different regions of the country and now I think they're up to, to six um, per month at different locations around the, the, the various different um, USDA regions. Um, I think those are great tournaments because you're getting to play um, you know you're getting to play your peer group, probably some junior players, but there's going to be college players there as well. And uh, so to just get some insights into the college game and, and maybe, you know, what are the, the college players doing differently and maybe testing yourself. So if you're going to a, a college that is maybe ranked similar um, to another team and and you play a player who's, you know, six or seven on that team or or whatever number. And, and you have a close match, well you have a good sense of maybe where you're you're gonna fit in um, you know, straight off the bat. So I think those tournaments are, are fantastic and, and players should definitely seek those out. Um again it just depends where they are and, you know, if they are chasing, you know, uh points or wins to, to play specific tournaments in the summer, um, you know, even ITF tournaments and things like that. But I I, I really I, I don't think it matters all that much I think getting match play is, is vital and um, you know the more uh, match tough you are uh, the better you're going to be in college and and, and uh, the better you know um, competitive practices that, that you've learned and the more you extract from those matches um, the better you will be prepared for for college going forward so really any matches that you can get in the summer uh, I would grab, uh, and and when we talk about matches, you're trying to, again, you know, you're if you're playing 20 matches, you know, hopefully you're you're winning nine, losing you know 11 or or whatever that that ratio is, but and and within those matches, you know, there's a lot of three-set matches or or they're close two-set matches. It's not that you're winning five of them 0-0 and, and losing five of them 0-0. You're just trying to find. You're trying to push yourself to those pressure moments those four all uh, moments in the third set or, or first set tie break or uh serving out a match um or closing out break points because when they get into college as well they're they're playing uh, uh no ad now as well which is is very different and and it's a different kind of pressure and it takes some time to get used to so uh, I guess the more pressure you can put yourself under not that you want to put yourself under pressure but uh, the more of those pressure situations you can experience um the summer before college I think will stand you well as you go into to playing noad um tennis matches for for a team because that's a different pressure as well so uh, I again I'd I'd highly recommend it if, if you're if you're not going to be you know, uh, in the gym and, and getting as fit as possible. Then you're trying to play as many matches as possible to be prepared. And if, if for whatever reason you can't travel and play matches, well, then you need to be training and, and getting your your body ready to uh, train and play in the fall.
0: What about playing just pickup matches? Um, you know, and if you there's a local club where maybe there's some former college players that hang out and play on the weekends. Um, Are those matches equally valuable in your eyes for an incoming college freshman who, again, just needs the match play? Or do they really need to be in a tournament situation?
1: Yeah, there's value there. I don't think they're equal. I think being in in a tournament environment um, with uh, just a little bit more on the line and, and, You know that's that's something different for everybody Um, but there is something about you know feeling those nerves as you uh, start a match or walk onto the court or you're trying to close out uh, a lead or come back or whatever it is when you get into kind of a more relaxed uh, practice match uh, situation you're just you know you, you can let those moments go if you win easy or you lose easy You know the the same focus, the same pressure isn't there. Again, uh, I think pickup matches are great. I I don't think they're happening enough, to be honest. I think uh, players are relying far too much on on coaches um, to give them structured play. Um, You know, I'm back in Ireland now, and I'm I'm back at the tennis club that I I uh, grew up in, and and I remember going down on Sunday mornings to play in men's morning with guys of all ages and standards, and you know, different games. Some of them are, you know, hacking at the ball and bunting serves in or lobbing every shot. And some of them are whacking the ball as hard as they can. But I'm I'm exposing myself to all these different game styles and, and different, you know, personalities. And, you know, some of them are cheating and want to win more than anything. And, um some are very welcoming so yes the the more different game styles you can play against whether that's at your local club or park or high school or you know even college you know there's college players on campuses taking uh summer school classes that that um probably would love to to hit with somebody um that's heading to the college ranks and is going to be in their peer group as well so Uh, There is value there, but um, if I had a choice, I'd definitely be going to try and play in in, uh, a competitive environment with with something on the line.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay, so now, um, you know, my kid has completed his or her freshman year, has had a great year on the college team, and it's summer again, and, you know, there are now – the the player is three years away from, quote, the real world, having to go out and make a living. And I say this all the time, but the reality is for most of these college players, after they're done with their four years, they are going to have a job that does not involve hitting a fuzzy yellow ball across a net. So at what point, from the coaching perspective now, would you say it's okay for these college players to take at least a part of their summer and have some sort of internship or hopefully paid job to help offset some of the costs? Um, and, and how do they balance that with staying fit enough to be ready for school again the
1: following fall? yeah this is this is always um, a tricky one for sure as a coach and uh, and I think as I got older um, I got a lot wiser about it as a college coach I think when I was uh, you know I was 28 when I became a head coach which is quite young for, for the level at which I was coaching and you know the team wasn't very good that I inherited and I'm trying to get them better and you know my, you know I'm I'm uh, my expectations for what they should be doing in the summer were a lot higher than when when um, you know I got older and a little bit more established and and could see that four years was was tough for these players that that it was hard to get you know their best tennis out of them for four years and and I think the summer uh, is 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 really crucial and and they need to again each player is very different um everybody needs something different but a lot of players don't know what they need and and uh and that's a shame and and they need to take the lead on on what it is they they feel they need uh, in the summer and for some that's taking a break from tennis um for others it's uh, playing even more tournaments and and you know there's something between look there there's a balance there i think first and foremost they they need to keep their fitness up because when they shut it down completely in the summer and I know they're tired and they've had a long year but uh, nobody needs you know weeks on end off it's just it's not good for you as a human being I mean I I don't go two days without doing something and that might be a short run or uh, lifting some weights or some yoga or something like that but if I go more than a few days I start uh, you know feeling bad about myself but um, you really you the the players need to be really conscious of, of um, you know what they're doing with their bodies and what they're putting into their bodies as well so you know even if a player didn't hit a ball all summer long didn't play a tournament as long as they were moving and stretching and um, you know, keeping in their strength up and, and eating well and drinking well and, and just taking care of themselves, then um, you know, usually their their tennis would still be in a good spot. It's those players that that do nothing at all and and come back and uh, you know, usually they get injured and and they spend the first you know several weeks or, or months. Um, dealing with, you know, just little injuries that could be avoided if they just stayed consistent with some type of program throughout the summer. Um, in my experience, though, the, the players that, that made the biggest improvements in college played in the summers. And And like you said, is that, you know, half the summer, the whole summer, I think – The players need to understand. For me personally, I always felt like I was playing my best tennis in May. I just played a ton of matches from January to May. Um, I felt very match fit. I felt very confident. uh, And I wanted to go out and play as many tournaments as I could in June and July. And then I'd probably take a couple of weeks off tennis in early August. But I'd still keep my fitness at a decent level and then uh, be ready to go at the end of August when uh, when I'd head back for, for the fall. So that's what worked well for me. I think some players, they get to May and they're just completely exhausted. They're spent, they're stressed from finals, uh, they just need a, a mental break and a physical break. So they may take a few weeks off in June and then return to tournament play July and, and August and, and kind of be at their, their, their peak as they come back to college um at the end of august as they know they're going to get that break again the following june so it, it's it's very personal in terms of internships again i mean my at the end of my junior year i did uh, an internship here, back here in ireland and uh, didn't play much tennis didn't have time um was working for a construction company and, and uh, was was very busy and learned a lot in that process uh, kept my fitness up would get up in the morning and and uh, get try and get some some running in or some gym work in and um, you know I came back and had my my best year as a college player as a senior so um, it, it's just very individual but you know I, I, I advise everybody to put a lot of thought into it and, and don't take it for granted and don't let those you know weeks and months slip away um, you know you need to have a plan I think as long as players have a plan whether that's internship a job playing tournaments uh combination of all those things but uh they should be planning out their summers um as much as they plan out the rest of the year and that's hopefully something that will um they'll continue to do as like you said they enter the real world and uh will have to do that combine combine all those things if, if they want to uh, you know excel in them so it's it is very personal um but uh there there is you know there is a balance there for everybody but You know a lot of coaches now at the top level are 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 demanding you know demanding the strong word but they're encouraging their players to stay around in the summer for longer periods um sometimes that's a good thing if there's a technical change that needs to be made and you know the players need to really hone in on a couple of um technical issues that maybe they weren't able to tackle during the spring well you know there's some benefits there and uh, players, you know, may take a lighter load of classes in the spring, um, because of their travel and might need to make that up in the summer if they still want to graduate in four years. So, yeah, there's so many, you know, variables or combinations out there, but, um, I guess my advice is, is to have a plan, be productive, um, and, uh, keep your body healthy for, uh, for, you know, your college experience, but, but for life as well.
0: In your experience, do the college coaches want to be involved in kind of the planning process for the summer, or do the coaches prefer to just have the players handle it?
1: I'd say it's probably 50-50, Lisa. I, I you know, I, I, I don't want to speak for other coaches. Um, my experience would be that it's it, it definitely a little bit of both i think maybe at the higher division 1 levels um you know the the pressures maybe are, are a little greater there's more resources going into to the program so um you know the the athletic administrators the the coaches maybe feel a little bit more pressure uh, to perform and they're, you know, maybe scared if their players are, are out of their sight for the summer that, you know, oh no, what decisions are they going to make and are they going to come back and be out of shape and um, not have picked up a racket and, and all those other things that uh, could potentially happen. Um, but, no, it's it's really you know, I personally, I like to sit down with my players. I mean, we'd probably start talking about their summer after spring break. So, so maybe the end of March, early April, and and start talking about kind of what their plans would be, where, you know, are they going home? Are they doing summer school? Maybe they're doing summer school um, uh, on campus, or maybe they're doing some classes online. But my expectation would be that the players could kind of show me, you know what their calendar would be for the summer and not that I'm checking in on them it's just that they're you know they're telling me what they're doing and you know three three of those weeks might be I'm doing nothing and I'm relaxing and I'm watching Netflix for those three weeks Well okay well at least you have thought about it and, and put some uh, put some planning behind it and, and okay those are going to be your rest weeks then that you know rest is important too so I think um what coaches want to see is that is that they're uh putting some thought to it. They're hoping their players are going to get a balance between rest, uh tournament play, practice and um you know off-court work. I think uh any coach would be happy to see a combination of those things and and I think for the most part coaches would be very happy and, and thrilled for their their student athletes if They get an internship or or a job and and some players, you know, may not be on full scholarships and to ask them to, you know, uh, not get a job in the summer and play tennis. Well, that's unrealistic for a lot of players. They may need to go and uh, get a coaching job or, or, you know, whatever it is for the summer to uh, be able to pay some of their bills, um, you know, later in the year. So, again, it it is very individual, but um, I think – yeah, I think coach should be encouraging the players to to uh, look at it diligently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I would hope that's the case. And, you know, as a parent, um, you definitely want to feel like when your child finishes their four years, hopefully four years of college, that they have some sort of practical work experience under their belt so that they are marketable out in the workforce. You know, so if they have yeah. spent all all of those summers in college only playing tennis um, and not training for some other type of work, um, they can be behind the eight ball a little bit, even though I think you'll agree having that college tennis on your resume is a, a really good door opener for a lot of these
1: kids. Yes, definitely. I mean, that, that has been my experience, uh, for sure. And, and, uh, you know, the, the type of, um, time management skills and, and discipline that's required to, to succeed as a, as a college athlete is, uh, you know, often far and above the, the average student and, um, you know, they, they do need to be given credit for that. But like you said, the, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I know when I did that internship, I was probably more disciplined with my time because I had less. If that makes sense, you know. It, you know, I think yeah. when you when you give yourself too much time, you know, you're often very unproductive and, and get a little lazy. But if you know you have a thirty-minute window to get uh, something in, or you have a deadline, well, you, you're probably going to be pretty productive with that time. So, um, no, there, there's absolutely no reason why. Um, you can't do all these things as a student athlete. It's it's four years. Um, in some cases, it's, it's maybe even four and a half, five years as as people stretch out their uh, their scholarships and, and their graduation date. But um, no, all you know, there's so much support on these uh, campuses now. Um, there's so many opportunities for for uh, internships or some type of work experience. Um, and you know, even if it's not paid, that, uh, you know, yes, these, these players should be doing, you know, voluntary work and trying to get a sense of what it is they want to do after college. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's so many people that want to help them as well. You know, whether that's, um, you know, uh, alumni or boosters, and I don't mean, you know, giving them you know money or extra benefits or anything like that, but there, there's there's a lot of people on a campus or surrounding athletic department that want to help these student athletes um, succeed while they're there and succeed afterwards, and, and it's uh, it's an amazing opportunity. And, and uh, you know, I I loved every second of it as a player and, and got so much out of it and definitely opened doors for me.
0: When you were coaching Dave um, did the majority of your players wind up trying the professional tour for a bit or did mo- the majority of them move out of playing tennis into some sort of other
1: career yeah you know I, I uh, definitely the majority went on to uh, a, prof- uh, 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 a non tennis career after college I think uh, you know what I found was a lot of players come to college um, you know well I don't you know how to put this they you know they, they come with I think a lot of them think they're more prepared and maybe better than than they actually are and and they think oh, I'm just gonna kind of you know I know these players and you know I've watched them play they don't look so good I, I'm gonna be fine and then when they get on court and and they then have to manage um, you know, the busyness of, of a of a student athlete and um putting all those things in place, they see like, oh wow, I'm I'm just kind of one of a lot of really good players out here. And um, you know, what's there's just, you know, small margins separating all these players and I think as their um student athlete career goes on, I think not that they they definitely don't lose interest in in tennis Uh, i mean not some of them do, but most of them don't i think they love playing for a team and playing for one another and playing for something bigger than themselves and um i think yeah they just maybe become a little bit more well-rounded they're exposed to a lot of other interesting ideas and, and opportunities in life and and they start gravitating more to uh uh, maybe their area of study or, or something else that's caught their attention and uh, start planning in that way. I mean, very few players, especially on the ladies' side, um, uh, would would try the the pro ranks. I think uh, it happens a lot more on, on the men's side than it does on the ladies' side, but... Um, you know that that's fine you know it's it's not um i think a lot of players and i've I've written articles about this before a lot of players feel like they need to say oh you know i want to be a professional tennis player that's my goal um college coaches don't don't need to hear that they just want to know that you're you're driven to get better um during your college years and wherever that leads you if that leads you to pro tour fantastic but if it leads you to uh an occupation that you're going to be passionate about then then even better so it's it's uh yeah it's it's definitely on the lady side it doesn't happen a whole lot
0: interesting interesting well let's shift gears a little bit um because we're amy we're, we're nearing the, the closing point on, on the show and i want to make sure that i give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about uh high school players who are aspiring to play in college. And I know you've written so many great articles about this for tennis recruiting and I've shared most of them on parenting ACES as well. So thank you for that. But um in case there are people listening to this that have not had the opportunity to read your great articles you have a very honest approach to college recruiting and the whole process and, and what the student-athletes should be doing and what the parents should be doing or, more importantly, not be doing during the recruiting process. And maybe you can touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you know, I did it for for 12 years and, and um, you know, I've seen seen a lot of different things and, and heard a lot of different things and um you know from from a coach's perspective i i always loved when the when the players took the lead you know that that um you know when players would come on unofficial visits or official visits or we talk on the phone that i'd be communicating directly with the player the majority of the time and that's not to say i'd, I'd have all the time in the world for the parents and i felt um i could learn a lot it, it, oftentimes, if if I liked the play, the parent, I liked the the child, and and uh, um, as I got a sense for the parents' personality and kind of their interactions, um, you know, as coaches, we're we're looking at at all those different things, but we really want to see that the, the the players are taking the lead, that they have an understanding of what it is they want to get out of their college experience, and you know, the recruiting process, it's it's happening earlier and early, which I'm not a huge fan of at all. I think you know, the more time we can give these players to um, develop and, and understand what it is they really want, uh, the better. So, I mean, my advice definitely is for for players to, to take the lead, even if they're a little shy and, and not used to being in those situations. You know, they they have to learn to put themselves out there and the parents need to learn to take a step back and and, uh, let their children kind of, you know, um, you know, wallow in those awkward moments or, or, um, you know, just, just learn how they're going to interact with, with the coaches and the players and, and be by themselves because that's going to sneak up on them pretty quickly. And, um, if they're struggling to do that a year or two, two years out of college, well, they're probably going to struggle with it, uh, their first year of college. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see, I love to see an independent streak in in players and and, uh, when I had a really good sense that, that they were genuine about what they wanted to get out of college. Um, You just, you can tell when it's genuine and and when it's not, or when it's coming through the parents. And um, you know, I'd be having as a parent, I'd be having discussions with, with my child all the time about what it is they want and why, and trying to challenge them into uh, some of their thinking patterns or some of the 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 ways we can form. And, and, you know, I've written about this in the articles, how, you know, you can get trapped into uh, thinking, well, I want to go to the school because they're always top five in the country or they're, you know, challenging for a national title. And uh, that's what I want to do. And, and that's, you know, nice to say, um, but is it really what you want? I mean, shouldn't your degree program be maybe a little bit more important or um, you know proximity you know to your family or away from your family Um, maybe the weather's uh, you know a concern maybe you have you know a seasonal depression where you don't want to be in a a snowy climate or or, you know a dark climate for several months of the year and you need to be in the sunshine you know but thinking beyond you know just uh, what the team is ranked you know and what is your relationship with the coach and, and what are you looking to get out of the coach and what are the experience the coach has that you may feel be a good match for you um, you know going a little deeper into all these these questions and and um, not just focusing on the surface level uh, because uh, a, a university has a, a good brand name Um, just because the university has a good brand name doesn't mean the coach is the right fit doesn't mean they have the right degree program for you um, doesn't mean that you'll 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 fit in with the general population maybe it's a a school with 55,000 students and you're better suited to a a small private school with with 5,000 students these are all things that that players should be considering and thinking and talking about with their parents with their coaches with um, other players that maybe have have gone through the college system and uh, that they can lean on but um, yeah i just just really encourage them to to look beyond the the maybe the obvious and and really dig deep into it because um, I, I know in the past i don't know the most recent statistics but i think up to 2 years ago tennis had the high the second highest transfer rate of any ncaa division uh one sport I think yeah. men's basketball yep. was number one and men's and, and women's tennis was number two. And that's, that's, <coughs> that's, um, that's frightening to me. Uh, and, uh, and I just think players are maybe committing too early and, and not doing all their research and the coaches aren't helping either. You know, they're pressuring, pressuring players into making uh, decisions earlier. Um, and uh, you know, they, they may not be the good, the right fit for, for the coach, you know, so it's, um, a lot goes into it, and it's not something that should be taken lightly.
0: Well, in keeping with our theme of summer, you know, it's it's interesting. This time of year, really the beginning of the NCAA championships, and a, as the championships conclude, is when the coaching carousel, as my friend Bobby Knight likes to refer to it, um, starts, where the coaches are leaving their jobs, moving to different jobs perhaps. Um, job openings are happening. You start hearing about the player carousel as well. The transfers start getting announced. And, you know, there's a lot of movement that happens in college tennis during the summer. And one of the hard things about having committed to a school is, oh my gosh, what if, you know, the two guys that I was Got to be friendly with all year through my visits, decide to transfer. What if the coach decides to move to another school? What if the assistant coach leaves? You know, and as a player, those are things that are completely out of your control. And so I'm, I'm wondering what advice would you have to an incoming player about how to handle those types of issues because they're bound to come up for, for many of these kids
1: mm yeah that that's tough because <clears throat> I just went through that last year where um, you know I made the decision at the age of, of 36 to retire from college tennis and uh, took a lot of people by surprise and, and uh, moving myself and my family uh, back to Ireland and, and so I had you know three incoming freshmen that were uh, extremely upset with me and my decision and um, you know um, yeah you know uh, I, I think I was able to get away with it a little bit more because maybe I wasn't going to another university um, because I always felt I'd finished my coaching career at the University of Oklahoma I you know I was very happy there and it's a great great university and great job uh, tennis job so uh, I wasn't looking to to go elsewhere um to a different university but that's definitely not the case there are you know plenty of coaches out there that um are you know looking maybe to get to that next level in coaching and uh So, you know, players, you know, kind of comes back to being very sure on your reasons uh, for choosing a college. And and it it probably should never be just one thing, Um, you know, especially with assistant coaches. A lot of assistant coaches will take the lead on recruiting and uh, players will develop close relationships with the assistant coach and and maybe not the the head coach. And and the assistant coaches, usually their tenure is, is a lot Shorter than a head coach because they're they're moving around and they're looking to become a head coach in one day. And I'm speaking in generalizations here. But um, yeah, it's 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 tough. And and I'm I'm pretty close to it now. And uh, I don't have any great answers, to be honest. I mean, you know, I was encouraging um, those players that that I was leaving, uh, especially those freshmen coming in and um, that, you know, the University of Oklahoma is a great institution. It's a great place to go to college. They're going to find a really good replacement for me. And uh, that, you know, nearly all the things that I promised uh, you when you signed uh, that the University of Oklahoma is going to provide for you, are they're still going to be provided. That That's never going to be in doubt. It's just then how do those players mesh with the new coach or coaching staff and, um, really, you have to keep an open mind and you have to give it a chance. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully the, the, the coach is going to keep an open mind about you as well. Look, they, they want the team to be successful, uh, straight off the bat and, uh, want to show that they're doing a good job. So, uh, they should be keeping an open mind with, with new players. But it works both ways and there's going to be some bumps along the road and they're going to be feeling each other out a little bit more than, when uh, they've already established that relationship with uh, the the previous coach, um, but it is it is tricky and it is upsetting and um, it's already a little bit scary coming into a new environment and then um, you know that's that's thrown on you as well. But it happens. Um, you know, there's 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 colleges that um, you know they may have two coaches in a four year period. They may have three coaches in a four year period. The players are going to go through it, and it's it's it's, you know, if it's really bad, you know, that's where transferring is an option. Um, you know, they're, they're always going to have that option that I, I'd encourage them to at least keep an open mind and give it a go for a year. And then if it's just not working, if it's a bad fit and the coach just isn't right and very different from the coach you signed up for, then maybe you do need to transfer. Um, but you know, the, these things in life, they happen. And, uh, um, I think they're building resilience. I think they're building character. I think, something good is going to come out of it Um, and uh, that uh, as as bad as it seems it's probably not as bad as you think you're still probably on a scholarship at at, at, at a great university playing tennis and and, uh, being awarded uh, a lot of really good things and uh, um, many opportunities to come your way so it a lot of it depends on how you look at it as well and and hopefully you can look on the positive sides of it Um, but, uh, while you're working through kind of the sadness of that that coach moving on
0: Sure, sure. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast this week and sharing your experience and your knowledge with us. And I hope that my listeners will take to heart the information that you shared specifically regarding how they should be spending their summers because I've watched a lot of kids <laughs> start in the fall and just be shell shocked with what's waiting for them uh, when they arrive on campus. So, um, you know, hopefully they will take your message to heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hope so too. I mean, look, it's it's always it's always going to be a bit of a shock to the system, but uh, the the more they can do to. Uh, you know, lower that shock, the better. And, um, but I think reaching out to the coach and getting a clear sense of what those expectations are, um, is, is a good place to start. But no, thank you so much for for having me on and, uh, just, yeah, if if you're coming across parents that need some input, just please tell them to email me. I'm happy to help. I'm, I'm, you know, um, the the writing that I do and, and some of the consultancy that I do, it's, it's very much on the side and, Um, you know I've I've a busy job here and busy family life but um, I do really want to help players get get this right and and if anybody ever has any questions I I really I just I want to help and uh, help them get it right and and uh, help them be prepared for for what's ahead
0: well that's very generous of you if it's all right with you I will include your email address in the show notes as well then
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I may not get back to them straight away, but I I read all my emails and and do my best to get uh, deliberate responses.
0: Perfect. Well, Dave, thanks again for being with us. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Parenting Aces podcast. We'll see you next week. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at ParentingAces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, TennisBalls.com.